When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. There is nothing I love more than an amazing meal with high-quality meat cooked at home because... Let's be honest, eating out is so expensive. And you also know that eating out is the number one budget buster. That is why I am so glad I found ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service dedicated to delivering high-quality, grass-fed and grass-finished beef, organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood directly to your doorstep with free shipping always. You even get exclusive member deals, recipes, and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing price. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Use code ETM and get $20 off your first box at ButcherBox.com. Last night, we made a beef stew with meat from ButcherBox, and you can taste the difference. It was so satisfying and delicious. And all of our friends that were over for a dinner party, they raved at how good it was. So do yourself a favor and eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered to your door. ButcherBox is offering my listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm and use code ETM to choose your free offer and get $20 off. So raise your hand if you can say yes to this question. I have been bad with my money. I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand, honestly, because yes, I have been bad with my money in the past. I have made decisions that I probably shouldn't have made, certainly decisions in my early 20s that now I think, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're talking why being bad with your money isn't so bad with Gabby Dunn and Ask Shauna Question. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. I was so excited to get this Ask Shauna question. Uh, in fact, a little smirk came over my face when it came through an email because I love sharing stories about myself that show you that I'm an actual human. I'm not just this robotic expert that, um, you know, I've made some mistakes in in my life, uh, certainly with my finances, I should say. And I'm not always perfect, even being an expert. You know, sometimes I know the right 
choice to make, but I make the other choice. It's not necessarily the right choice, though. I'm going to argue that point with myself. It's not the right choice. Maybe it's the better choice, but sometimes I choose the choice that's not so good, and that's okay. The point is, like, I'm still alive. I'm still here. Life goes on, and everything's going to be okay. So the question came in from Danielle, and Danielle says, Hey, Shauna, I love the podcast. I've been listening to it for a while. Recommend it to all my friends, anybody who wants to learn about money. Kudos to everybody who listens to the podcast as well. I think that we all have learned a few things over the years, and hopefully you enjoy this podcast as much as I do. I do have a sneaky question for you. I'm wondering, what would you say was the biggest mistake or the best advice you could give someone about how to handle their money in their 20s? I'm just curious. I'm in my 20s trying to figure things out, making some mistakes here and there, but I would love to know from you maybe the best thing that you learned in your 20s and maybe the biggest mistake you made. So Danielle, wow, where do I start with that one? Um, The best decision I ever made, um, you know, I, I would say it's a couple of things. So I didn't get my CFP until my very, 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 very early 30s. In fact, I think it was right around when I turned 30. So most of my 20s, um, I spent working for myself. And then the latter part of my 20s, I joined my father and his financial planning business. And that's really where I got kind of my hands wet in financial planning and dealing with people with a lot of money uh, and learned a lot about that, that I try to bring that wisdom to the podcast. But I would say, you know, early on in my 20s, I realized how important it was to sock away money in your 401k. And we were putting away the max amount that we could in our 401k, like every year without even thinking twice. And that became a a real lifesaver down the road when I went through a divorce and all sorts of things. Like while that money doesn't exist anymore, um, and hopefully that's never your case, but that money became an asset. And, um, it was very helpful to have. But I I look back and I'm like, wow, I I made that decision in my early 20s and I didn't give it much thought. I mean, it was just like, okay, this is something I should do. I should just put money away. And, you know, the money's not gone. The money's growing. In fact, it grew very, very large over a short period of time. And it was, you know, to be in my mid-20s and to have at that time, it was a couple hundred thousand dollars in a 401k. I mean, I was pretty impressed. Um, and that was just from making smart choices, using matching in the 401k and all those sorts of things. Um, probably the other smartest money move I made in my 20s was I bought a house when I was 24, well, well before I was prepared to buy a house. Uh, we had very little money saved. Um We got some money from both of our parents to help add to the down payment, but I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I just thought, well, this is what you do. You buy a house. And, you know, I live in California, so it was a moderately expensive house. And within the first month, the plumbing went out in the house and we had to repair the entire plumbing, which cost like $25,000. So I was not prepared for that side of home ownership. Um, I didn't have an extra $25,000. So, you know, it was panic moments and trying to figure out what to do. And some of that went on a credit card. And then, you know, that kind of started that cycle of, you know, putting money on credit cards, paying it off, putting money on credit cards, paying it off. But, you know, I think the biggest lesson I learned being a young homeowner is 
you really, really, really want to have a strong nest egg before you buy a house because stuff is going to happen. Uh, shit is going to happen. I know I don't curse very often on this podcast, but that's literally what it feels like, like knee deep in a bucket of shit sometimes. And it's like never one thing goes wrong. It's always like, oh, this went out and now the dishwasher won't work and this and that and that and this, you know, and it's like, <gasps> I don't, I'm not, I don't have like an endless supply of money. And um, this is not just my experience. You know, I, I work with a lot of people over the years and everybody has these kind of stories that's a homeowner. But the positive side of that was that the home appreciated so much over a long period of time that it become, or it became, I should say, a you know serious investment and a, a real true asset. So that's kind of like something I learned with also the smartest money move combined. I think if I if I did it all over again, um, I would tell my twenty four year old self like just wait, like what are you in a hurry for? You have plenty of time to buy a house and to like you know, put your roots down or whatever I was thinking. Um, you know, now I want to go explore and I'm happy I don't own a home. I want to travel around. I, I want to be a nomad. Maybe I want to live in Europe for a while. I don't know. I don't really know. It's like my life kind of went in reverse, oddly enough. I'm happy about it, but it was a little bit tough going through it. Uh, so I would say you also ask what advice would I give to someone in their 20s? I think, gosh, again, like the best advice I would give you is that nothing is fixed. So wherever you're now with your finances, good or not good, it's not permanent. It's not going to last forever. Uh, there are so many opportunities out there, the career opportunities, uh, you know, the ability to have a side hustle now and make extra money is so much better than when I was in my 20s that there's just a lot of ways for you to better your finances. And there's a lot more knowledge you can get too about your finances. I mean, we didn't have, I, I sound like an old like grandma here when I'm saying this to you, but we didn't have podcasts, you know, we didn't have all these articles about personal finance. You had to learn it on your own or figure it out somehow. So I think utilizing all that information, but also like not freaking out, not freaking out about, having to get having to have everything figured out you don't have to have everything figured out in your 20s you know you're going to make some moves and they're not going to work and you're going to make other moves and they're going to work fantastic and that's just I think a part of life but you know let yourself off the hook you, again you don't have to have it all together you don't have to have everything perfect you can make a million money mishaps a million money mistakes and that's okay as long as you're learning and growing and you know, staying active with your finances, like you're going to be okay. I promise you that. So I, I thought that was a good question because it really leads into our podcast episode today. And I had the pleasure of interviewing Gabby Dunn. You may have heard of her name before. She has her own podcast, Bad With Money. She's a New York Times bestselling author, journalist, a comedian, a YouTuber. She does everything. I don't think she has time to rest. But what she did is you know, one day she realized like, hey, if I'm bad with money, other people must be bad with money too. Why don't we figure this all out together? And so she started a conversation around this. And uh, she was so open, so funny, so engaging in the podcast interview. We talked about lots of different things about money scripts, how they play into your financial thoughts, 
and why she thinks financial literacy is a complete conspiracy, which is really interesting thought. Like when I, when I think about it, there might be some truth to that. And then she shares her own money story about how uh, her, her story, her background has all shaped her finances, her career, and really how she thinks, acts, and feels about money. So before we get into the interview with Gabby, a quick word from our podcast episode sponsors. One thing I think we can all agree on is that when it comes to our finances, it's never fun paying our monthly phone bill. I don't know about you, but I find the bills confusing and there's always extra costs and charges and I can never actually speak to a human to figure out what's going on. I just looked at our current phone bill from last month in complete horror because we were paying so much more than we were actually using. But luckily, I'm here to tell you about a new company that I think is finally making the phone carrier experience really an easy one while saving you money. It's called Wing. In fact, on Wing's website, I just saw this today, they state that over $37 billion is wasted on unused data per year. Yikes, like that's a lot of money. All right, so what is Wing? Well, Wing is a new digital-first phone carrier. It's a phone carrier like Verizon or AT&T, except you're actually going to enjoy dealing with Wing. Wing's average bill is only $35 a month, while most people haven't joined Wing are paying, you know, usually over $100 a month. I certainly was paying over $100 a month. Plus, Wing uses the exact same cell towers as the major carriers, so you get the same coverage for less with no strings, no hidden fees, all the good stuff. The real perk, though, if you don't use all your data in a month, they actually give you money back, so you're never going to pay for data you don't use. You're going to keep your same phone, your same phone number. The setup is quick and easy, so you're not going to be without your service. And they offer family plans, unlimited plans, international data, everything that you need with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And the average person saves 30% on their bill when they switch. I mean, why wouldn't I switch to Wing? Right now, my listeners can get $25 off their first phone bill with Wing when you go to wingalpha.com, click join Wing and enter the promo code MYMONEY. Just go to wingalpha, that's W-I-N-G-A-L-P-H.com and enter the code MYMONEY, all one word. Because it's time to get with a phone carrier that makes sense and start saving up to 30% on your monthly bill. I want to give a big thanks to our podcast episode sponsor, Candid Co., Okay, so here's some dirt on me. (laughs) I was a thumb sucker for many, many, many years, and I still love a good blankie, but I developed an overbite, and I was born with these two molars that grew in backwards, so when I smile, you can see them, and it looks really funky, but I never thought about getting any of this fixed since it's just so expensive to do so, but I was so happy to discover Candid Co. because What they're doing is they're really helping people like me and you gain confidence through accessible and affordable, which is awesome, orthodontic care. We're talking straighter and brighter teeth in an average of six months, and the cost is 65% less than braces. That works a lot better with my budget. Plus, there are no office visits. Hallelujah. Everything is delivered to your home. And Candid's network of highly trained orthodontists review each and every case, and they direct the aligner plan that's customized to you. So let's talk about the process. The first step is to purchase their modeling kit, which is sent to your home and you take impressions of your teeth. I just finished doing my modeling kit. It's pretty easy to do once you get the hang of it. 
After you send back your impressions with some photos of your teeth, Candid's network of orthodontists that review your specific case, provide you with a 3D preview of what your treatment looks like. After you get that 3D preview, it's completely up to you if you want to move forward with your clear aligner treatment plan or not. And you can also talk to a real person at any time if you have questions. I had a few taking the photos of my teeth and Candid was very quick to get me answers and sent me a super helpful YouTube video so I could figure it out. You're one step away from getting straighter, wider teeth just like me. Take advantage of Candid's risk-free modeling kit guarantee plus when you use my dedicated link, candidco.com slash mymoney, you'll save 25% off your modeling kit. That's candidco.com slash mymoney to get 25% off your modeling kit. Again, candidco.com slash mymoney. So Gabby, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. I'm a big fan of your podcast, so it is definitely quite a treat. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for, for having me on yours. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, one thing that I'm really an advocate of is people being honest, sharing their story, I think particularly in relationship to money, because in my opinion, and I think you might share somewhat the same opinion, you know, like we're all trying to figure this money thing out and we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to make perfect decisions. And I think the pressure to do that, especially around money is just ridiculous. But I'd love to know, you know, you're super accomplished. You have a ton of skills. What motivated you to start a podcast all about being bad with money? Oh, well, thank you for saying those nice things about me. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that it's a lot of perception problems where people see you a certain way and they assume that they have the whole story. And I was sort of, you know, quote unquote successful, uh, but I had a lot of problems with money and I had a lot of problems with um, saving and I didn't know anything and I had never learned, uh, you know, any sort of financial literacy and I kind of just avoided it until things would get dire and then I would flip out and like need to do some you know, so like, and, and I also never spoke to anyone about it. I didn't like talk to my friends. I wasn't looking for advice. I didn't, um, you know, I didn't have any sense that anyone else was going through the same things that I was going through. Uh, and so I wanted to start this podcast because it was like the biggest secret in my life. And, um, and I was just like, you know, when something is this emotional and like eating me up inside, I, I gotta think other people are having the same problem. And it turned out they were. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I, you know, certainly as like a financial expert, I've, you know, worked with people and I can, I always try and like share that wisdom on, on my podcast that we're all really more alike than we are different. Um, you know, and I think it's interesting you brought up, brought up that, that point about, you know, thinking that because you're successful or whatever success you've had, that suddenly you, automatically know about the stuff that you know about money. And I think it's awesome to talk about the fact that like, hey, I'm just like you. I'm just trying to figure this out. Yeah, of course. I mean, you're not prepared. Let's say you even get some money. You're fully not prepared for what to do with it. I mean, it's stressful. Like it was so stressful to not have any money. And then um, and then I've blown, you know, the first few paychecks that I got because I have poor money skills and I never learned. I just blow through, sh like I just blow through it, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. And like, I think it's just kind of, and then you feel a bunch of shame and you're sort of by yourself and you feel like everyone's going to be condescending to you. Um, and a lot of money media is. So part of the reason I wanted to start bad with money was to just be like, look, this isn't, 
like condescending and this isn't aspirational. This is just like the facts and it's relatable. And I'm like you and I don't, I don't know more than you and I will never purport to know more than you. (laughs) That's great. I love that. So for those listening who maybe don't know you, I'd love you could share kind of like the cliff notes version of, of who Gabby Dunn is and maybe some of the cool things you've already done with your career. Oh gosh. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm a comedian and a writer and, a. uh, I have my own podcast called Bad With Money, um, which is on season three right now. Uh, and it's uh, it's what, what I just said. <laughs> uh, and then I had a, a book on the New York Times bestseller list last year called I Hate Everyone But You, uh, which was a fiction book. Um, and I do all kinds of stuff. I'm like an internet person. And um, I do a lot of LGBTQ activist work. And yeah, and then I just kind of I work on I work in television. Essentially, that's where my money comes from. And uh, I have a comedy partner and we have a YouTube channel together. And so there's like, you know, multiple income streams, which makes taxes so fun. Right. I hear you. Financial anxiety, anyone? Yeah, you're not alone. But worrying about it, it doesn't help. Earnin does. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So how would you spend the money you get from Earnin? Well, honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin, T-A-L-K-A-N, money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin money under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news, well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time consuming. I tried all of the apps. 
but I just didn't find one I liked until I found Monarch. And I've got to tell you a secret. Monarch is so easy to use with a very intuitive design. You can even collaborate with your partner and you can customize Monarch for whatever your needs are. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Let's go back to the collaboration bit. Because we know money is a leading cause of divorce and breakups, Monarch has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. You can see all your finances, make a budget together, get insights on your cash. Yes, cue the confetti. There will literally not be any more arguments over money. And if you've been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, or rarely updated, so was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch has a tool that allows you as well to easily import your data from Mint. You can keep all of your tags and all of your categories. After trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot etm for your extended 30-day free trial. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You're 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 the like quintessential like modern day, uh, you know, millennial, if you will. You know, we've like our hands in a million different pots, and uh, certainly the money situation is always uh, very interesting. And it's um, unpredictable too. So yes, I'm I have all these jobs, but I'm an independent contractor at each one. So that what do you think is kind of like the biggest lesson you've learned money wise from from being an entrepreneur and kind of having these different pots of money. Um, nothing is stable. Nothing is guaranteed. Uh, nothing is going to be where you've made it. Like you're never going to get a lump sum and be like, I'm fine now. Um, because life keeps coming at you. <laughs> like life, you're, it doesn't stop. You don't get a bunch of money and then everything stops, you know, which is kind of how I always pictured it. Yeah. And that, I think that's such a good point too. You know, I mean, certainly, um, you know, the major news lately have been to, uh, famous suicide deaths that have happened recently. And, you know, I think the common perception is that, well, these two people, Anthony Bourdain, Kate Spade, like they had everything. They had money, they had careers, they had success, you know, and and there's this, I think that- Well, that doesn't mean anything about your mental health. Exactly. It not is uh, insidious because it, it knows no class, race, gender, you know, it can get anybody. Yeah. You know, and I, that's, I think it's important, although like that always seems obvious. I think it's important to talk about that because money is not just this blatant solution to fix all of your problems. And, you know, I think it's, it's important to understand that, you know, when you get that killer job or that killer, you know, book deal or whatever that may be, your problems don't just suddenly vanish. Yeah. And also like you, you know, you might have to be cleaning up old mistakes. Like I got a lump sum of money for a television show 
that I sold. And all it did was go towards credit card debt, medical debt, student loans. Like it basically essentially like brought, it didn't make me wealthy. It brought me to zero <laughs> you know? and not even zero because I still have $25,000 in student loans that I have yet to pay off. So, um, it brought me to, you know, fine, <laughs> but it's like a place, you know, a place you could breathe. It didn't move me forward in any way because I spent, you know, 10 years prior to that screwing up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I hear you. So what would you say, you know, going way back, like your first memory about money was a good, bad, I mean, how did that shape you? Um, I don't think it was great. My, my family, um, my, my dad was an addict and an alcoholic while I was growing up and my mom worked a lot and was the breadwinner. So a lot of stuff sort of, I remember her working very hard. That's kind of one of some of my first memories is like her in suits. Um, she's a divorce attorney. And, um, and so I like remember kind of always thinking like, oh yes, the woman goes to work. You know what I mean? Like in this kind of reverse way that maybe other families would operate. Um, and I, I never really thought about it until like third grade when I switched, I switched from a public school into a a private school. And then at the private school, everyone kind of was in a class above me. And I, I didn't, uh, it was confusing because I didn't realize like what was important for being popular or whatever, you know, like Dunian Burke purses and Tiffany bracelets and, um, Ray-Bans and stuff like that. Early 2000s type stuff. Uh, and so I, I just didn't know, um, until then that like other families were different than mine. And, uh, and that was like very jarring because you would go to other people's houses and you would be like, Oh wow, this is a big house. Like you live here. Um, and my family also had a lot of issues where like my parents would never say no to stuff, but they would also then like break down and and complain about money and freak out about money. So it was kind of like, I would ask for something, they would say yes. Then like a day later, they'd be like, we have no money. And I'd be like, but then yesterday, just tell me no. You know what I mean? Like it was so confusing. Wow. And so do you think that, you know, kind of going into adulthood with that, with that background then shaped then how you made certain money decisions? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I did a lot of like, I didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to just like um, spend for the moment and like convenience was better than like it was like, you know, call it a convenience fee. Um, and I kind of always was just like, well, I'm, I'm, I'll pay it back. I'll pay it back. Like I'll like my parents were always very into making sure that we had the thing. Um, and then and then like they would worry about where the money was coming from later. And so I also was like. Uh, yeah, that seems fine. Like, well, cause I always kind of like skated by, like I would always get like something would go really wrong and then I would be like dire. And then I would like find, get like 50 bucks somehow and be like, all right, tight, we did it. But like, I realized that I, the more I skated by the more, the less I had to like address the root problem. And that's sort of what my parents did too. Yeah. Interesting. So was there like a particular moment? Cause I, I was find this like really fascinating with people was there like a particular moment where you sort of went like aha like this is why maybe I make certain decisions and then maybe you sort of like rerouted the way you approached uh money or career or decisions like that well I had a, a guy on my podcast um who's a financial psychologist 
named Dr. Brad Klontz. And he basically talked to me about money scripts, which is like how you think about money based on what your family taught you. And like everybody kind yep. of comes from every, everybody learned about money from like the first people that they, you know, whoever they were raised by. Um, and it's really hard to undo that stuff. And I think like the, the sort of spend now, think about it later type of thing really hit home when I was talking to him on the show, and especially how much like my dad's alcoholism affected everything because it's kind of, my mom was talking about how, oh, she was always working, but she never understood how we never had any money. And it's like, well, yeah, it was going to like secret to like drugs and I'm gambling. So, um, so it definitely like, it, it definitely taught me a lot about how, you know, it's not entirely your fault, like where you're coming from with things. And it's so deeply ingrained and it's so hard to, to undo. But like, well, the first step would be to think about like the way that your family influenced uh, your ideas of spending or like what kind of stuff they imparted to you. And then, you know, then you have to unpack that. I mean, my grandmother survived the Holocaust. She has, a she married wealthy. Um, and so she has some money now and she really cares about physical material things. And, and you could judge her for that, but it's also like, we have a, she came from the Holocaust, like let her have it, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's complicated. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it even more complicated when we're dealing like with relationships with somebody is, you know, like we're both coming at it with our own set of how we learned about money and then trying to somehow like fuse that together is, you know, can be like a really sticky spot. And everybody's embarrassed. And also like, it's, um, you don't want to, you have to admit these hard truths and you have to admit like, you know, I don't know. It, it's not, it's stuff that nobody really wants to, it's like an easy thing to judge someone else about. It's an easy thing to like feel superior, but often you're coming from different playing fields. Like, you know, your dad, Oh, your dad was an accountant who taught you everything. Like lucky you, you know, it's purely luck <laughs> that <laughs> mine wasn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You can't uh, predetermine those things before you're born, unfortunately. <laughs> right. So then you judge you judge other people, but it's like everyone is starting off with like a, you know, from a hundred di different starting points. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know, and you, you talked um, earlier about financial literacy and how, you know, that's the reason why I started my podcast was just nobody's learning about money anywhere, not from their parents, not from school, you know, and then graduating with you know, some sort of student loans that feel really massive at the time. And it's like, I don't know what to do with any of this. But, you know, from doing your podcast and the research you've done, like, why do you think we're still a nation that just, just does not put a lot of resources towards teaching people about financial literacy? I mean, it's a scam. It's a whole it's a whole industry. If, if people knew about what they needed to do with their money there, we would lose like 400 TV shows and like, Nobody would be selling any books and you know what I mean? It's like all created to like maintain. I mean, I sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I stand by it. It's all created to maintain like an economic status quo. Um, and like, and it's like, you know, they keep people feeling bad so that they can 
make more money off of them as feeling bad essentially. And like, you know, it's the way that you, if you're not, if you're an advisor and you get a kickback for like suggesting a certain stock or whatever, like it's all this like big machine. Um, and people, and if you, it's almost like, you know, the people that say, oh, there are cures for these diseases, but it actually makes more money if they don't cure it. And like, I know that that sounds like, oh, wow, we didn't land on the moon. But like, I, I really think that a lot of stuff is kept, is the language is kept complicated. It's kept obtuse um, for a reason. And that's to keep people uh, from like getting their lives together. So do you think it ever changes or it just, I mean, this is just the way we do it. It just continues to, to move along this way. We would have to have some very big changes. Like we would have to... We would have to, I mean, I don't know. I've talked to people on my show that are um, advocates for universal basic income. I've talked to people who uh, want reparations. I've talked to people who have ideas like baby bonds, which is where you give, uh, depending on the parent's income, you give babies uh, a certain amount of money, like a trust fund that they can get when they're 18. Like people have all kinds of radical ideas, but everyone I think is, is very um, comfortable. And also the saddest part is that people that could be, um, could hugely benefit from these sort of radical ideas instead, uh, seem to think that like their money problems are a personal moral failing or a personal intellectual failing. And they refuse to see how the system works together. And so they, in their mind, it's this aspirational thing of like, well, one day I'll become wealthy and I just know it. And so let's not do anything to to shake this up. And that's on purpose. That's like the best thing that could happen for the people on top, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's such a powerful statement for sure. But it, it, it is literally true when you think about it. You know, all, all of the companies that somehow touch our bank accounts and, uh, you know, if, if they weren't financially benefiting, what would it look like? Yeah, I mean, I I started season one of the podcast just being like, I wonder what money's about, and then like by season two, I was just like, I'm I'm fully conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost my mind. <laughs> You're like printing T-shirts and mugs at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, so talking about, you know, this latest season that you're on, you know, you're talking to a lot of different people, you're covering a lot of different issues. Are there any episodes or people you've talked to like really stand out to you as, as impactful? Um, yeah, I mean, I love Jane Mayer. I think, uh, uh, Jane's done like an incredible job, uh, with, uh, her book, Dark Money, which is about the way that politics influences money. And I think that's like, especially right now, incredibly important. Um, and the book like was the scariest book I've ever read. It was terrifying. Um, uh, I, I've talked to like a few, like, uh, just anti-poverty people, but like, um, uh, William, uh, professor William Darity, Sandy Darity is like a really interesting person working on poverty stuff. Um, I haven't talked to them for the podcast, but I read a book called $2 a day. Oh yes. And that book is yeah. amazing. Um, and I mean, there's been, oh, Sally Krawcheck, who uh, sure. runs Elevest, um, was a really great interview. And um, I just did an episode, we just did an episode about legal legalization of marijuana. And I had a really great conversation with this reporter, Amanda Chicago Lewis, about um, the, the ways that uh, people are 
grabbing up patents on certain strains of marijuana and how that's going to like basically replicate our current uh, old white man owning everything system in like a, a something that should not be that way and something that had, you know, had been uh, like the domain of people of color who then got completely shot at, uh, you know, shut out of it and like how just fucking unfair that is. Um, and so, yeah, there's been like some really, I like, um, if you want to talk about millennials and money, uh, Nona Willis Aronowitz has done some amazing writing about, uh, poverty and millennials. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, there's been like a lot of incredible, uh, people that I just wouldn't, I mean, it's like weird. I was just talking to someone about how, like, I love all these, these types of people that I've talked to. And then like was fangirling out over Kathy Eden, who was one of the writers of $2 a day. And I was like, she's literally my Taylor Swift. Like we stand for that <laughs> end. Like it like became like such, I was like, like they were talking about this woman who like, right. Is like a researcher for poverty. And I was just like, yes, queen. Like <laughs> I love it. My mind. That's so cool. So, you know, like what keeps you, um, motivated about, you know, the journey as a podcast host, you just keep, uh, you know, uncovering different topics as, as you go along and get deeper and deeper into this money topic or, you know, what keeps you like alive about this? I mean, I really think it's like the people that, I mean, the people that message me or come see, talk to me in person about how like the show made them feel better. Like that it's like teaching them something or that the show, um, I mean, some people say it causes them anxiety, but, uh, that, you know, that it alleviated anxiety, that it made them want to talk about money with their friends because they talk about the show. Like, I think I, I kind of, there's so many endless topics, like you'll never run out of topics basically to cover with, um, because money touches everything. And I, I think if I have the privilege to talk about this stuff with, I mean, if, if the worst thing that happens to me is I'm embarrassed, whereas like with other people, you know, uh, way more bad things could happen to them. Um, then I might, I, I have an obligation to keep talking about money and keep being honest because it doesn't really affect my housing prospects or credit or family or, you know, people say that Mm. they, some, some friends of mine are like, Oh, I can't come on your show as a guest because my partner would kill me. Um, and like, I don't have any of that. So, um, so I think if I, if I can do this and I am like in a position of privilege and like people aren't going to super judge me based on the color of my skin or like, you know, then I may as well, I mean, yeah, then I may as well keep doing it. Yeah. Are you, are you finding, um, through the podcast that, you know, even just through your group of friends, um, that they're more willing to at least think about and have some of these conversations around money? Like, are you, are you seeing kind of that door open even just a little bit? Yeah. Well, people, you know, people want to come up to, to me and tell me their situation or talk to me about (laughs) stuff. And, it's funny because sometimes people will forget that I'm not an expert. So they'll be like, what should I do? And I'll be like, Oh, sweetie, I have no idea. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, um, I think people are, I I mean, I'm also asking more is the other thing. Like I, I used to be like very hands off and now like, I'll be like, Oh, how are you making money? And you find out weird things. Like I didn't, I had like some good friends that I didn't know that they were delivering pizzas. I had no idea that one of my friends was, um, reading tarot cards out of her house, like just like you don't. There's these aspects of your friends' lives that 
you don't know about because it's like they're like it's boring it's how I make money but you're like it's not boring yeah for sure for sure and and I think the cool thing is when you start talking about it you realize that everybody has a story and um you know there's unique aspects to everybody's story and yet there's very similar aspects to everybody's story but I mean you're definitely right like this is not I mean we don't sit around like at dinner with with our friends and start talking about money but maybe we should you know maybe it it shouldn't be so taboo well, it's also good because you, you're you learning stuff. So, like, people, you know, will – I see friends of mine post on Facebook, like, I'm looking for an accountant. Does anyone have anyone that they like and trust? Or, um, you know, hey, guys, I just uh, – I got paid this for this brand deal. Was that what you got paid? Like, and that only benefits everybody. Yeah. And do you, do you find um, – it's funny, somebody asked me this question the other day, and and I feel it's kind of like universal that it's not just a particular age, but I mean, are, are you finding that especially like younger millennials are way more apt to share those details like salary and, you know, details like that, that, that used to be kind of like not so talked about details when it comes to money? Uh, definitely younger people want to share advice, um, but it really depends on, on, um, what kind of like what class more so because um in in two dollars a day uh they talk about and also there was this amazing article in the new york times called what the rich won't tell you and um and it was basically about how like rich people are the ones who don't want to talk about money like they want to pretend that that they didn't spend that much on a couch or that they didn't like you know buy uh uh clothes for their child that cost this much or whatever. So it was like all about these upper east side, I think, like parents who just kind of try to keep the price tags on things very quiet. Whereas in $2 a day, um, people that are poor are more likely to share everything with each other. Like we'll just like share all resources, have no shame because they they all shame has been sort of beaten out of them by like going to these government offices and having to like spell out everything and waiting on the phone so they can like tell their dark finance secrets to some stranger to try to get some money you know what I mean like so it's like the rich people that are like um don't want to share information with each other and are like putting on airs and then it's like middle class and poor people who are like yeah no problem yeah that's fascinating I think that's such a good point I'm gonna need to find that article (laughs) um that's so cool okay so I have a little uh little lightning round with with five questions for you all right so so the first one is what is your favorite place in the world oh my god um, um, I don't know. My, my aunt's house? I'll say my aunt's house. That's a cool answer. I love that. That's awesome. All right. Uh, number two. So are you a morning or a night person? I think night. Yeah. Night's a popular choice. All right. Um, who do you admire the most? Oh, man. It's so hard to admire anybody. Um, because I, it's like everybody is human and so flawed. Um, I mean, I, uh, I really, I don't know. Um, I, in terms of money stuff, I really like this author, Helene Olin. Um, I think, uh, she does a lot of speaking truth to power that, uh, is unpopular. Um, so I very much, uh, enjoy her, her writing and her work in terms of like admiring someone in money, in the money world's, um, work. Yeah, that's a cool answer. All right. Um, what is the favorite money mistake you've ever made? Oh my God. Um, well, I almost, I almost totaled my car for no reason. Like I had, so my car has a bunch of scratches on it. And then I, I busted up the bumper, um, as I like to run into inanimate objects. And 
uh, the Geico people were like, oh, your, your car's totaled. And I was like, that can't be true. It was just the bumper. And so I was like flipping out and I was like, I, I don't have any, I don't have money for another car. Like I, what am I going to do? I just scrap this car that I just paid off. Like I'm flipping out. And then the, I called Geico and I was like, why is it going to cost? Why do we have to total? Cause totaling just means it costs more to repair than the car's worth. Right. It doesn't mean that it's not drivable. So I was like, which I just learned. So I was like, wait, why, why are you saying it's totaled? It's just a bumper. And she was like, well, because of all the scratches. And I was like, oh, honey, I don't need to fix the scratches. Like, let's just fix the bumper. So like, (laughs) she was like, well, it's like, you just want it to be drivable. And I was like, would, I don't, doesn't need to be pretty. I just need to be able to drive it. And so she was like, oh, okay. So they fixed the bumper and it was fine. But I almost like lost, you know, thousands of dollars because I, they assumed that it was like the scratches that I wanted fixed as well. And I was like, nah, keep those. Like <laughs> that gives a character. Yeah, I was. And then, you know, but I was like such a scary moment in time. Cause I, and if I hadn't looked into it, like if I hadn't, it was almost a mistake in the sense that like, if I hadn't called or been like, why are you doing this? I would have fucking lost my car. Yeah, no, that was like a great point of like advocating for yourself too. And like, making sure you understand what's going on. Which is hard to do because you're just like, I'm a tiny idiot baby. Right. And I, and it's, a lot of times you don't even know what question to ask. All right. One last question. If you could, ch- if you could change one thing in the world, what would that be? Oh my God. Uh, I would give people empathy. <laughs> That's a great one. That's such an awesome answer. Thanks. You're like, Very don't cool. have any. <laughs> I totally, totally agree with that. All right. You have got so many cool things coming up. You've got another book, um, tons of great content coming up, I'm guessing, with your podcast, Bad With Money. So tell the listeners where they can find you and uh, check out the podcast. Sure. The podcast is available wherever podcasts are. It's uh, Bad With Money is the title of the podcast. Uh, and I'm uh, at Gabby Dunn on Twitter and at Gabby Road on Instagram. And um, the podcast is currently in season three. So go listen to it on like Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify. Um, And then uh, the book that I had come out last year is called I Hate Everyone But You. And then there's going to be a Bad With Money book coming out uh, January. So if you've never thought about it before, it's really interesting to think about the money scripts and how your own past has shaped how you think, act, and feel about money and how that shapes the different decisions that you make. I think that when you spend some time thinking about it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's why I do this or totally. Now that makes sense. It's just a real interesting kind of discussion to have with yourself. You can find all the links to Gabby in our show notes. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Shauna Game. If you love this podcast, do me a favor, share it with your friends, shout it out on social media, and head on over to that link in the show notes to leave us a review. 